And I was in my yard, just mowing my yard. I sensed God starting to engage me in a conversation within. So I put my mower to the side and God asked me, Alan, do you want story one or story two? But I felt the gravity to what God was asking as well as a playfulness. And so I just stayed with it. And what he began to convey to me is, Alan, story two is just do what you're doing. It's what the world does. Or enter into mystery with me. And that's story one. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. So today on the Kindling Fire, if you're on YouTube, you can see that I'm smiling. And the reason why I'm smiling is because I have a good friend of mine, Alan Arnold, all back on the show. Thank you so much for uh, being back, Alan. It's good to see you, Troy. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. So, um, so Alan and I, uh, for those that aren't aware, he was my auspicious uh, writing coach when I did my first book, Fatherhood Faceplants, and uh, he is also the the lead content. I don't even know what your title is at Wild at Heart. It's director of content, or well, we don't. We forget because we don't have business cards or anything. But there you it's, go. <laughs> it's executive producer of content, which includes podcast creation, production, uh, working with John and helping his books and study guides and video series and audiobooks get out. And basically anything with Wild at Heart content related, I get to be a part of, which is a huge honor. And, and for those that uh, do recall Alan from previous shows, great, great show about sort of the journey of how God moved him from where, you know, he was in the publishing world to, to working with John and that whole storyline. The other thing that uh, I'd love for you to kind of share more about is sort of this whole side of like creative coaching and that soul heart side of kind of how you were authoring many books now. I, I think this is your fourth or fifth. It's my, this is my fourth book. Okay. Uh, since 2016. And, and then before that, I was a publisher where I published over 500 novels. Uh, during that time. And before that, I was in the nonfiction side and gift book side and was part of the publishing process uh, on the marketing team at the point, uh, at that point, but over another five, 600 books. So I've had a rich experience with story and content and the creation of ideas from dream to reality. So to your point, Troy, now what I do full-time, I'm at Wild at Heart, but I also, in my own time, offer coaching services to creatives. So if they've got an idea, everybody has a book idea. Everybody has a story, yeah. but they don't know how to take it from dream to reality. So I step in with them one-on-one -on -one and help them go through the process. Because otherwise, it can be a very disheartening process where you spend a lot of time wasting energy and your dreams start to fade just because you don't know how to do it in a way that ultimately gets to the finish line in a way that the reader wants to read what you've created. So yeah, that's fun too. I get to, I get to stay creative, not just in my own world, but also with people who are saying, I've got this story idea, but now what? 
or I'm a writer, but I've never really felt like it came to fruition in the way I wanted it to. So people can find out more about that uh, if they want at withallen.com, W-I-T-H-A-L-L-E-N.com slash coaching. And um, if anybody's of interest, if that's of interest, then give me a shout. Well, I can endorse you 100% wholeheartedly. And and he will take all that level of experience and years of experience, and you'll be in for uh, quite a ride and in a good way, right? And really, you really kind of helped me uh, up level the things that I was doing. I had I had heart, had a dream, but the skill needed to, and the craftsmanship needed to kind of come up and tie things together. So you really, really helped me with that. So let's talk about your new book. It's called The Eden Option. Uh, choosing story one life in a story two world. Um, I love that 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 uh, subtitle because it's like, what do you mean a story one? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? So right. maybe let's just start there. Uh, I love starting with definitions sometimes, but but what what is this story one, story two, uh, and then we can get into you know some more. Absolutely. Well. A lot of this, I think, for people, as I introduce them to the topic, is startling or is a little disruptive because I begin by saying you're actually living in the wrong story right now. Mm. And it's almost a guarantee because even as whether people are believers, whether they've known God, they find themselves born into a story that I would call story two, Troy that is not the story we were created for. It is a world of scarcity. Uh, it's fear-based. It is it is a place where we try to make things happen in our own strength that we believe if we can just kind of get through the day, we've done the best we can. And, and not only do we live that way, but we bring our gifting, our talents, our creativity into that world. And so our creativity doesn't transcend this story to limit. And that's why a lot of TV shows, for instance, uh, songs, movies, novels, books, they all kind of have a shades of gray, you know, there's really no good, there's really no bad. It's kind of an Ecclesiastes story that we find ourselves in. Um, I tried to watch a few weeks ago, I tried to start the Yellowstone TV series. And I don't know if you've seen it, but, it, you know, millions have been watching this with Kevin Costner and my wife and I were looking for a new series and we got about two episodes into it. There are five seasons or so into it now, but we got about two episodes in and I'm like, I can't do this because it's not that the cinematography is not good. It is. And it's, and it's filmed beautifully and the acting is good. The problem is there is no good or, or hero to root for. Like everybody is fallen, broken, cheating, scamming, fighting for power. And, and that's the story to Ecclesiastes world. And, and so you start to see it around you when your eyes are open to this. And so it's a problem in how we live. It's a problem in how we create. And it's a problem in how we see God, because we start to define God in a way of a story to God, which is a God who we need to doubt, a God who doesn't come through, a God who doesn't speak to us, a God who doesn't want to have intimacy with us. And so that story too, it's a story we are born into. We didn't choose it. It feels normal and like the only story because it's all we've ever known. Story two, I put a definition in the book that I'm just going to 
read here because it might be helpful and and then I'll do one for story one. But I want to start with where we are, which is story two. So story two, sorry, I'm just walking over to this page in the book because I want to, is the default narrative we're born into. It tries to make life work without God's active, intimate presence. Story one, on the other hand, is the original true story we were made for, a way of life with God at the epicenter. And it is, compared to story two, which is more like Ecclesiastes, nothing new under the sun, everything's vanity. Um, instead of that, story one is more the Eden story. And so, Troy, the question is, well, if we're in the wrong story, what happened to story one, the original story? Where did it go? And it turns out it didn't go anywhere. We went somewhere. We left it. It didn't leave us. And by we, I mean Adam and Eve all the way back into the beginning. And so this journey for me was, I don't like story two. I realize it's not what I was created for. What happened to story one? Where did it go? How do I get it back? And so that led me on a journey to kind of find story one. And 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 there's a way that happened we can talk about in a little bit. But but story one, the beautiful thing about that is when we enter into it again, when we reclaim what Adam and Eve lost, which I believe there's several things. It's not just that they sinned and now we live in a fallen world. There's so much more nuance and depth to it than that and, and tragedy and beauty all wrapped up in the story of paradise. And so we tend to go as, as Christians from creation to the fall. There's creation, there's the fall. And what we miss in the middle of that is the, the biggest, best thing of all, which was paradise. What, what were we created for and how do we get back to that? And, and we have to know how we lost the original story, story one. And, and I believe the biggest way we lost it was doubt. We, Adam and Eve, humanity, began to doubt God, to look for something other than him for more life than they thought he could provide. And so they moved, started to move away. So we can get into that a little bit later. But I just wanted to tell you now, story one, story two, story one, the original story we're created for, God at the epicenter, Story two, the story we find ourselves in, even as believers, Adam and Eve believed in God, even as they fell into story two, they yeah. never stopped believing in God. They knew more than ever who God was. They just found themselves in a story that had less of him because of their choice. And that's now the story we're born into. And last thing I'll add real quick is people uh, who are listening might go, well, I don't know if I'm in story one or story two exactly. Well, if you don't know you're in story two. <laughs> you have to actively, actively, consciously, proactively leave story two to get to story one. So if you don't know, then you are in the default story you were born into. It just may not seem like it, or you may not know how to identify it. But story one is an active choice back into reality that we were created for. So you'll know if you're in story one. Yeah, that's and again to the to the to the book's title, the Eden Option. Paradise is a, a choice. It can be experienced. And it can be um, 
you can't, there can be a recovery. It is, it is an option. I, the thing that is so amazing, like when you were talking about story two, the thing that I was picturing was like a ceiling, you know, it was sort of like operating. It's really just operating in a world that, that has ceilings and walls. And, 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 and when you talked about kind of bringing all that God has put in you creatively, and then you kind of operate all of it within a very tight box that says, well, this works and that doesn't or whatever. And the, the image I kept getting was coming to the Red Sea um, and then coming to the Jordan River later, because it was sort of like God is saying, let's take all your story to and all your ceilings and all your parameters of what's possible. And let's bring you right to the edge where it looks impossible. And it's so sort of like, well, why would God do that? That just seemed, you know, like, because there's this disruptive nature in God to to sort of say, I want to show you that there's there's something else possible than what you have defined in your box in story two. There is a way that I can open up this sea that you can walk through it, story one. And and then that and then they experience that. And then what they do with that, some treasure it. Very few, actually, Caleb and Joshua, to be specific, and Moses, treasure it. And some say, yeah, but. Right. right? And then right. The people that got to experience that miracle again were were, were Joshua and Caleb at, at, at uh, I think it was right around Jericho. I, I think it was the, I can't remember what sea it was. I think the Jordan, I think it was Jordan River. But, but anyway, the, he did it again. But the idea is that it feels like God disrupts us to get us right to that edge where it's like, all this doesn't fit in the box. Right. God do this. <laughs> no, you're exactly right, Troy. I mean, it's uh, in Ecclesiastes 1, and I love the message version of this, this wording, this, you know, Eugene Peterson had such a way with words, I think. And he's talking about what we are right now. In Ecclesiastes 1, it says, in his translation, there's nothing to anything, a corkscrew that can't be straightened, a minus that won't add up. The more you know, the more you hurt. And I think that's the experience of most people over time in story two. That's why people give up on God. They're not giving up on the God of story one. They don't even know the God of story one. They're giving up on the God of story two, which is a very limited God they can't trust. They have to doubt. They maybe fear. They don't know. And so the God of story two is a God we should get rid of because it's not God. It's a God of a false narrative that the enemy from the time of the garden as the serpent started to retell who God was in another narrative, another story that created doubt in Adam and Eve. And, and that is what we continue with in story two is this high church, religious, distant, um, unpredictable, unknowable God. And, and that's not the God of Eden. That's not the God who is God. And so story two, the problem is our filter for everything, including our lives, our talents, our hopes, our dreams, our children, our gifting is in a broken narrative. And we keep trying to make it work in like, small steps or in small risk. 
And it never really changes much because even if you get the promotion, even if you find a new church, even if you sell a piece of art or a new book or whatever, you're still operating in a story to reality. Those aren't tickets out of that reality. And so story one, it's not just a, you know, a different label for how to live. It's, it's literally a different reality because think of it this way. When we move further from God, Adam and Eve in the garden, starting there, the further we move from God, God is the most real being ever. He created everything. So the more we move away from him, the less real we become. We become more unreal because we're moving from the reality of why and who created us and what our purpose was and how we were to exist. So you could look at it like the vine and the branches, but the more we do this, we're in an unreal story. And it's interesting, the world is moving us quickly toward virtual reality and and you know nothing is as it seems or or we could be a thousand different things whatever we think we are we are and right. and start to recreate ourselves in our own image and we're living in a world of feelings and unreality and virtual reality and and you know we we stare into screens on our phone all day and think social media is reality and so that all began in the fall in Eden, mm -hmm. and it all began with doubt. And so story one gets us back to reality, back to who we were made yeah. to be. And that's to me is the most exciting thing of all. So, the, so I, so let's make it, let's make it um, kind of integrated viscerally into, into your life. Cause I know that there's a backstory. These ideas and these concepts, I believe are pulling on people's hearts right? They're pulling, they're like, you know, don't lie to me. Can you really return to Eden? Can you really re-experience re paradise? Can you really experience this story one? And and God literally invited you into this contrast of right. sort of the story two, and it's, this is how it works, and this is what your options are, and invited you into a story one kind of experience uh, that you actually start off the book with, uh, if you could share some of that story, I'd, I'd love to love to sure. used to hear it. Absolutely. Well, so this began for me, I had been at several events, conferences, speaking to creatives. Um, and this was about two years ago. And I had done so many back to back ones that I woke up one day and my voice was about 20% what it normally is a horse uh, kind of whisper. John Eldridge told me uh, at the time, he's like, you sounded like you smoked two packs a day of <laughs> cigarettes for like, for like a couple of decades. Like I was barely able to get, you know, my voice out or have any power to it. And I use my, everybody uses their voice, but I use mine in podcasts. I use it in coaching, speaking. And so it was part of my livelihood as well as part of my day-to-day -day life. And, and nothing was working to get it back. And I tried remedies, home remedies. I tried not talking. Uh, my children love that, by the way, when their dad, uh, <laughs> I had a whiteboard and they'd never look at the whiteboard. And so, you know, they just ignored me and they were having a blast with for a few, you know, weeks with me, no voice. But I finally went to a specialist, an ear, nose, throat specialist. And the specialist said, yeah, you've got nodules 
on your vocal cord speakers get this singers get this and the only he's put a scope down my throat showed me and he's like the only way to to get rid of these is surgery and i do that for a living the doctor said and the the bad news is i'm about two months out so you can schedule something and in about two months you'll get your voice back after the surgery so i and, and i'm just kind of in this what i would call now story two narrative of well, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Okay. So I signed up for the surgery and it got to be about three days before. So at this point I'd been without my voice for months and months. Mm -hmm. And I was in my yard, just mowing my yard um, on a summer day. And I sensed God starting to engage me in a conversation within, you know, obviously not audibly, but uh, so I put my mower to the side, pushed it away and sat down and God asked me, Alan, do you want story one or story two? And I had no idea what that meant, Troy. I'd never heard those terms from God or from anyone. I didn't use those terms. And so it felt like kind of like a game show host saying, do you want door number one or door number two? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what if I choose the door that's not the right door? And and so, but I felt a gravity to what God was asking as well as a playfulness. And so I just stayed with it. And what he began to convey to me is, Alan, story two is just do what you're doing. It's what the world does. Just you have a problem, you find a human solution, and whether it's financial, whether it's vehicle breaking down, whether it's health issues, what whatever it is, just basically the story without God. Just do what do what you can with what you have and, you know, hope for the best. Or enter into mystery with me. And that's story one. And by the way, there's no guarantee other than we'll do it together. And honestly, Troy, when I heard that, and, and I'm paraphrasing because this was, this was happening over hours. Um, but when I heard that my, the pull was, I think I want the story to quick fix. Like, I know this ENT doctor has done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these. He's really good. And it feels pretty guaranteed. I'll get my voice back. And God wasn't saying, don't do it. He was asking me, it's a choice. What do you want to do? But I realized, ah, like I want the quick or the standard kind of normal way to fix this. But on the other hand, if I do that, I'll never know what story one was. I'll never know what God what was that? What would that story have been? And I knew I couldn't live with not knowing. And so the next day after the weekend, about two days before the surgery, I call and I cancel the surgery. And it was really awkward and really hard because I could have just said, I'm canceling it. Um, and But I felt like I need to have some authenticity to what I'm doing and also acknowledge what God's doing. And so they were a little bit surprised because you have to wait so long. Right. And I'm finally like, it's like waiting, you know, for the concert tickets overnight, you know, back in the old days where you'd stand and you got, you get in line and it's the concert of the year. And you're like two people from the front and you go, actually, I think, I think I'll do something else. Everybody'd be like, what you just, you, what? And yeah. so, but I said, yeah, I think God's inviting me into another story. And there was cricket, there were crickets on the call you know, and basically the answer was, okay, that's fine. Uh, when you get ready to have your voice back, call us back and it'll be a few months. We'll get you back on the schedule. And 
And so, yeah, I hang up and all of a sudden doubt's trying to get in like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And, and yet I knew. I have that, to, you yeah. know, story is so great. I have to give you a, a timeout. Is your wife on board with you? Or are you doing this in secret? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's on board. Okay. Uh, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> she's on board. And, and she's, and she's beautifully into the mystery and awe of God as a, as a daughter of God. Like she's, she, I'm super like blessed and we do this journey together, but neither one of us knew what it meant. And so great question. And so after I cancel, I'm thinking the day of the surgery is like this pivot point because I'm at home now. I would have been having my throat cut into and so what's going to happen? Well, that day, nothing happened. Like for me, I don't hear from God. My voice doesn't come back. Just nothing. And the next day comes and goes. And the next day comes and goes. And mm -hmm. I'm now I'm starting to think, oh, my goodness. Like, um, like am I going to, you know, and I didn't know if God at that point, Troy would say, the next thing I heard say, hey, and four months, go ahead now and reschedule the surgery. Like this is not about anti-surgery. It's not about don't have doctors help. Like that was never the dilemma with me. It was what is God inviting me into? So this isn't like if somebody else, he could have been saying story one is go have surgery, right? Like it wasn't about that as much as will I enter into God's invitation into mystery. And, and that's how he used this with me. Well, on the full third day, I wake up and I say good morning to my wife before I get out of bed, and my voice is 100% back. It's not not a, a small improvement, a micro shift, not, oh, I think it's a little better today. It was just 100% back. And, and you have to remember, like at this point, it had been close to four months and so, with no change at all. And... And that's what I was told. There would be no change till till something had changed in my throat through surgery. So it was 100% back. It's been 100% back. And my wife, you know, asked me shortly after, like, hey, do you want to go back into the doctor's office and have the scope down to see if the nodules are still there? And I'm like, I have, I have no desire. I Like, I really don't care because either they're still there and God has is working this miracle around them every time I speak. Or they're completely gone and God worked a miracle to remove them. I don't really care. Like either way, God has invited me into the story that has wonder and awe and healing. But Troy, mostly I want to say to the listener and to you, I had wrestled in my own heart early on at the beginning before I even really called the doctor and canceled. I had said to God, hey, I'm in this with you. And the pressure is off for healing. You don't, I'm not going into story one with the demand or the expectation that it go my way or that it's quick or that you supernaturally heal my voice. I'm releasing all of that. What I am doing is saying, I want you, God. I want your presence. I want your intimacy. I want to be a son who steps into story one. And beyond that, like whatever road trip this is, you're free to take us anywhere. I'm not demanding we go to Hawaii. I'm not demanding that it be uh, easy. 
I just want to be with you in this story, story one. And so when my voice came back, it was awesome. Like I was so glad, but more glad than that, it wasn't really at the end of the day, this, hey, my voice is back, end of story. It was, God shown me how to live a whole new kind of story, story one. And that's the prize, his presence. And I've always been a believer in God. I've always wanted more of him, but I was living in a story that constricted what I thought was possible. And, and he has freed me from that and introduced me to something wildly beautiful. And that's worth more than my voice by infinity. And so that was my introduction to story one. Man. Um, so the Bible says, Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And, and there's this idea that the hungry and the thirsty, the hungry and the thirsty, who gets filled? The hungry and the thirsty. And, and the hungry and thirsty folks, they do something. So God provided you an opportunity. He gave you a choice. And what he was doing was laying before you story one saying, would you like to know what this is like? The hungry and thirsty said, yes, I actually am hungering for and thirsting for that kind of life. Is that what the invitation is? And, and the fact that you're pulling away from it now saying it wasn't about my throat or thou shalt heal me or prove this to me, but it was like that hunger and thirst and God fed you. And I, and I've touched a little bit of that when you hunger and thirst something that you believe is almost like make believe you can have that kind of life in God. You can live that kind of life. You can have that kind of experience in your emotions or mind or body or whatever. Um, and you feel like a fool kind of going on the journey. Uh, but man, if, but that promise is true. The hungry and thirst, that hunger and thirst and take that invitation. God's promises, I will feed those, those hungry. And it may not be with the food you may have expected, or maybe with some, but you will always be fed. That's a promise. Does that make well, sense? Right. They didn't, in the desert, they did not know what manna was before they tasted manna, right? Like they didn't know how God would take care of them. And even when he did, it was a, a unfamiliar substance at the time. You know, I think manna means what is this? <laughs> it's loosely like, I think that's kind of the original definition of like, what the heck is this? But, but we get fed the way God knows to feed us. And um, yeah, it was, and the thing you were just touching on, nobody in a story two reality is going to applaud a story one decision. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, it, and it, and it kind of makes sense, right? Because to them, to anyone in story two, which is what we're all born into, well, the ways of the kingdom seem so counterintuitive, so backwards, so, uh, you know, it's not about self-help, self-sufficiency, self-made man, woman. It's mm -hmm. all about letting go of things. And it's the last will be first. And it's it's this backwards upside down in story two. That's what it feels like. Story one, it's perfectly logical and and it's like of course i trust god in everything and he's my provider and i'm not going to go hungry or thirsty but i have to want god more than i want my hunger fed 
or my thirst even fulfilled, I have to want him above all. And that's what Eden was. And and so, yeah, when we talk about this Eden journey, I do want to let people know, because I hope their hopes are rising, but it's not about returning to the physical past Eden. It's actually going forward to the new Eden. And it's a journey. Story one is a, it's like in Hebrews, where we read about these people who we would call like kind of the, we've come to call like the heroes hall of fame, right? In, in Hebrews. And it talks about these people are on this journey and it's a homeward journey, but it's not a journey backwards to Eden. It's a journey forward. And it's a hunger that we are following. We're looking for the new Eden, but we're going with God into this future home. And that's what really excites me. Like, you know, Eden holds the answer to how story one was lost. But the goal, again, isn't to return to that. That's in the past. But the goal is, what is this new home, this new city described in Hebrews that keeps the saints and all of us with our hearts moving forward? And as we travel homeward along the way, we actually can get Eden traits back that we were created for. And and the last part of the book, which I know we don't have a lot of time to talk about today, but the last part of the book goes into four key traits that we can experience now. We don't have to wait until the coming kingdom. We don't have to wait until heaven, the new earth. We can experience these four things now. It's what Adam and Eve relinquished, which is Eden union with God, which is Eden voice. You know, I'm talking about like in Esther, where we are, she's told you are here for such a time as this, but if you don't speak, then someone else will, you know, God will give this to someone else. We've been given an Eden voice to speak life into the world through who we are, through our, our family, our community, our business, our church, our relationship with God. And it's interesting in Eden, when Adam and Eve chose the tree of knowledge, After that, they basically lose their voice in the whole story of scripture. But yet we're told Adam lived 960 years. That's a long life. 960 years? We think it's long to live 80 years. He lived 960 years, but we never hear one more thing from him. And so how do we get our Eden voice back and not lose it in story two? Mm -hmm. How do we get three, our Eden vision back? You know, the promise of the enemy is eat of this tree of knowledge and you will see and experience things. You'll be like gods. You know, you'll see yourself in a new way. You'll see the world in a new way. And that was kind of true, but the in, in a negative sense. But the first thing they did was hide after they ate from that. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be unseen by God. And so the goal of an Eden vision is what is it like to be fully seen, known, and loved by God, by others? kindred spirits, and to fully see, know, and love those we're to care for and create for. That's Eden vision. And then last, Eden rest. We live in a restless world where we think the only purpose of rest is like a cell phone, you know, just recharge ourselves to have power to do it all over again. Mm -hmm. And so, but what was Eden rest like? And what's really cool, a friend of mine was telling me this was I was writing the book, that day six in the creation, you know, story 
is the creation right of Adam and day seven is the day of rest. And so the first full day Adam had, if however you define a day is rest. Like the first full experience he had was what is rest with God, not busyness. It wasn't him running behind God, trying to get God's attention and God going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at work right now. Yeah. You know, catch me later. And then uh, he comes back and he's like, I'm exhausted. I'll catch you tomorrow. Like there was this beauty of intimacy and rest. So the book takes the reader from what story one, what story two, where does story one go? What happened in Eden? What can we get back specifically, practically now? And the union, the voice, the vision, the rest, those are four big things that will change how you live every day, how you create, how you interact with your family, how you see yourself, how you see God. And, and it's also a great reminder, just asking yourself every day, am I in story one or have I reverted back to story two? Well, I think that the the listeners will, will definitely, um, hopefully this has increased your hunger and thirst for living in that way that the Lord has provided for us in story one. If they want to pick up this book, this resource, uh, where should they go? Yeah, the book, super simple. Just go to Amazon and you can buy the physical book which is a six by six square book. It's it's a unique format that's made for easy reading. Every chapter is a couple of pages. There's a lot of quotes on paper from, you know, on the pages from C.S. Lewis and Madeline LaEngle and Bonhoeffer and the author of Winnie the Pooh and all kind of, you know, quotes about home and Eden and story. Um, and you can also get an ebook if you'd rather read the ebook. But if people want to sample it, Troy, they can go to withallen.com slash books and they can read the whole first section of the book for free oh, and that's man. the story of my voice and and how this all began and what is story one and two so if people want to do that they can check out the first almost 40 pages for free yeah well alan it is always a pleasure to have you on and uh i so value your your friendship and uh a lot of your creative mentorship in my life and and i look forward to next time we can talk me too thank you troy Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay guys, until next time, be awesome.